Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. And, and I think you'll find it very, very, very helpful. But I'm also uh, excited. I, I normally don't get really excited about sermon series. Uh, I have a lot of pastor friends, and they're always on uh, Facebook going, I'm so excited, this is going to be the best series, you know, and he's like, like, pumping it up. And I'm like, dude, it's just another sermon, okay? <laughs> How many times can you say, this is the most important truth? <laughs> if you say that, then, then you mean all your other sermons were not as important, right? Um, but this month is, is December, and so every week this um, month we're going to be talking about the message of Christmas. And the way we titled it is, What Did Jesus Do? Because we're all familiar with what would Jesus do, right? WWJD, I remember that. How many wore the bracelet? Oh, it's still around, isn't it? Is that still a thing? That's yeah, still a thing. <laughs> I never got one of the bracelets. So I'm not kind of a bracelet guy. <laughs> what would Jesus do? But well, we thought, well, what did Jesus do? So we're going to be talking about what Christ accomplished specifically in uh, his coming uh, as, as a baby and infant and different aspects of the story of Christmas. And today we're going to jump into that, talking about um, really the big story of, of the Bible <laughs> is God as man. That's the name of today's sermon, is God as man. And this is something that um, I think many Christians underestimate the significance of uh, this truth, that Jesus Christ came uh, as God as man. In fact, much of the creed is uh, was that we recited earlier reinforces the truth that Jesus was truly God. And the church went through, especially in the early few centuries, but it still comes around. There's a, there's a, a, a pendulum that swings where people uh, begin to believe that Jesus was just a good man representing God. He wasn't really God. He was just man. But, you know, the, the, in the first and second century, they actually had the opposite problem in that uh, many many people were deceived to think that he was God and not a man, that he was actually just a manifestation of God, because everyone was so familiar with all of the stories of the miracles that he did. They thought, well, no man could do that, and the church had to uh, really teach that Jesus was human. <clears throat> and so that balance between God coming as a human is a central part of the story. The resurrection is not really a miracle if you believe in the incarnation, right? The fact that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and raised from the dead is not a miracle uh, if compared to God coming as a human being. If uh, If Jesus was really God, then being raised from the dead is almost, well, of course he could be raised from the dead if he's God, right? <clears throat> and so once we understand the incarnation, really understanding all of the other miraculous work 
of God comes into alignment. So we need to, we need to, we're going to talk about this a little bit. So one of the prophecies concerning the Messiah that was spoken by Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years, what, almost a thousand years before Jesus. I'm not good with dates, but it was a long time. (laughs) I think it was well over a thousand years. Uh, Concerning the coming of the Messiah and all of the Jewish Rabbis, the Jewish people, knew this verse referred to the Messiah, the deliverer, the one who would come and fulfill all the other prophecies, uh, and says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Okay, that's good. That makes sense. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Oh, he'll be a ruler. He'll govern us. That makes sense. And his name will be called Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Good man. Wonderful. A child. Counselor. Mighty God. Wait a minute here. A child is going to be born. And we're going to call that child Almighty God. Now... When you, we read this, because it's been part of the Christmas songs, right? And the story, you know, just say it along, like it's just, you should go, what? How are we going to call a baby Mighty God? All right, little baby there. If I said this here, little baby, what's the baby's name? Silas. Silas, this is God. <laughs> He's a this is changing my diaper. <laughs> right? That's a bit. You're like, you, there should be a pause where you go, huh? And then it gets even worse. Everlasting Father. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You just said a baby's going to be born, and now you're saying this baby is everlasting? And he's not a baby, he's a father. He's ever everlasting father. He's always been a father and always will be a father, but you're saying he's a baby? See, people that say there's contradictions in the Bible, they don't even know where the real contradictions are. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, this is a major contradiction. All right? It doesn't make sense. Just say that, that baby's a ever eternal. That means eternal, never changes. That's an f- eternal father. No. No, that baby was just born. And so there's something being said here that should make you go, wait a minute here. This is different. This is not just a regular baby. In order for this to be true, it, it, it means something that's not, it's not just a baby being born. This is something different. Because no human, solely human, could fulfill this prophecy. Okay, does that make sense? It's not just another person. Because it's mighty God, everlasting, that means permanent, ever has been, ever will be, Father. Wow. Okay, here's another verse. Therefore the Lord himself, another promise, promise from Isaiah. This was actually a little bit earlier in the book. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. The name of Jesus. We, we call him Jesus. Uh, that's what uh, the angel later said. But in the Old Testament prophecy, the name often and almost always referred to um, a description of their character. And so this 
uh, person that was going to be born was actually God with us. So this is a very, very, very unique. It's not a, a person, a, just another great leader, but it's God coming as man. It's the mighty God in baby form. <laughs> so the incarnation, we actually said it's part of the creed. We believe it, the incarnate, that Jesus was incarnate by the Holy Ghost. Well, let's, let's talk about that word because that's not a word we use very often in the English language. Uh, it, it means, the, and this is right out of the dictionary, um, it says the embodiment of a deity or spirit in some earthly form. And if it's capitalized, it refers to the union of divinity with humanity in Jesus Christ. And I like it because it was, it was actually Google's definition. And so the uh, understanding of incarnation is especially in the Christian faith, is the union of divinity, God, being God, and being human in the person of Jesus Christ. It's literally incarnate. Carne, carne, if you speak Spanish, that just means meat, right? In Latin, flesh. And this means in the flesh. Oh, God in the flesh. that's That's what incarnation means. But you need to, we need to understand and remember that God, the God of the Bible, is an incarnational God. And so what that means is that God always has been a God that's been in his creation. All right? And we're just going to quickly go over a few examples of that. In the beginning, it says the Spirit uh, hovered over the earth. In Genesis, and that means to move or to brood. But one, one, one dictionary, uh, Hebrew dictionary, says that that can also mean relaxed. I kind of like that one. So the Holy Spirit was just relaxed over uh, the earth. He was chilling. <laughs> he was hanging out over the earth. And then we see God breathing life into Adam's nostrils. God got into Adam's face, right, intimately, and he breathed out his spirit into Adam's body, and Adam became a living being, okay? When when God's breath went inside, incarnate, inside Adam's flesh, it gave him life. Uh, And then we, Adam and Eve, were in the garden, and it says, they heard the sound of the Lord Walking in the garden. Okay, just think for a minute. What did that sound like? (laughs) I smell the blood of an Englishman. Uh, No, I don't think it sounded like that. (laughs) We don't know, do we? But they heard it with their ears. right. So when's the last time you heard God walking? Yeah, you might have. What was that noise? Moses, uh, Abraham, the prophets, all through the Old Testament, God, you know, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, right? Uh, God appeared to Abraham, came walking with a couple of angels uh, on his way to, to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said, he knew something, there was something special about this. 
And, and it says the, the, it was the angel of the Lord, but then the Lord spoke. And so there's, there's a debate. But basically that angel represented the Lord. We believe it uh, pretty much it's consensus among all theologians that that was God. Be, uh, it's called a theophany where God appears in the Old Testament. It's actually the Lord Jesus <clears throat> interacting with Abraham. And, uh, uh, um, and so he had a meal. He actually ate with Abraham. Um, uh, and then on other places, if you read, it actually says that God is present every time a goat or a deer gives birth. Like how many deers are out there? We almost hit a deer on the way down here. Had a nice rack on it too. <laughs> right? So every time and Yeah, my wife was driving, so it made it even more scary. <laughs> it says the Bible says that every time a lightning strikes, God tells it where to hit. All right. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus said that when a bird falls to the ground, the father is aware of it. All right, so God is very active and very present in his creation. He's present everywhere, and he's present always. And we need to understand that's true for us. That's true for me. It's true for you, that God is present. He's incarnate. He's involved, invested, and active in creation. <clears throat> Click. There we go. Um, oh, there we go. Christ is the ultimate expression of the incarnation. The Bible says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. How do you fit all of God into a human body? <laughs> all right. How would you fit this whole building into one person's body? Impossible, right? Is God built bigger than this building? Well, the Bible says that in Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead in a bodily form. So God would reveal himself in different ways. He's active in many ways throughout creation. But in Christ, all of God was bodily present. Because in order to understand God, we have to realize that size and width, uh, height, length, weight, speed... Time, all of those things and every other uh, thing like that are measurements of limitation. Right? If you measure something and it's 12 feet long, that's how long it is. It's no longer than that, right? If you say there's 12 hours or there's 24 hours in a day, right? The day has 24 hours. That's the limit, right? So every measurement is measuring a limitation, but God is limitless, okay? So all of those terms do not apply to God. They just don't make sense. Okay? It it doesn't apply. It's like talking about the rules of English in a math class, right? It's like, no, no, no. Or the rules of math in English. No, no, no. They're a different set of rules to understand this. He's infinitely bigger than the biggest object, all of galaxies, right? He's bigger than all of them. But he's equally present in the smallest uh, uh, the infinitely small spaces. And so as scientists discover a new, smaller thing, a quark, you know, the subatomic particles, and they're just, they keep discovering smaller ones. God's known about them all. In fact, God is present in between them. Okay? <clears throat> yeah. And he's got it all under control. And we don't even know how they work, but he put them there, right? And he holds them there. It says the whole universe is held together by the word of his power. 
That means he's actively holding the, the molecules of your body together right now. You know? Wow. That, that's huge. What did Jesus do? He fit all of God into himself, into his body. All right? So this requires we change how we think about God. The message of Christmas, right, is so powerful. We have to change. God is not a distant being, being far off somewhere on a throne waiting to judge us. All right? God is not disconnected. All right? He's actually very connected. He's intimately connected with every single individual and every molecule, every animal, every tree, every plant. He's present. And this, this actually is where uh, a lot of pagan religions, they see something that's true, but then they misinterpret it. And so pantheism is the idea that, God, that there are uh, an unlimited number of gods. Okay? In the Hindu religion, there are, there's literally an infinite number of gods. And so people will think, well, this tree has a god in it. <laughs> well, what, what they're confusing is they sense a spiritual presence in all things. Uh, and so they think that all things are God. Now, that tree is not God. Right? Are we all in agreement? That tree, the tree next to it, maybe. No, both trees, neither tree is God, right? But God is present because the Bible says his word is holding the molecules together. And so in some way, God is present even in something like a tree, right? But in the fullness, he is present in the person of Jesus Christ, right? This changes the way we think about God, that God could somehow uh, be fully uh, revealed in one person, So it goes on. It gets better than this. What did Jesus do? He demonstrated that the fullness of God could fit in the body, and now it's our turn. Because the scripture there says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Now the word fullness in the Hebrew and the word complete in the Hebrew are the same. It's almost the same word. The word complete is just a little bit different variation from the same. It's based on the, it has the same root words. It's more than the same root word. It's just a different form of the same word. So Paul is telling us, Uh, In this, and God is communicating in this verse that Christ's fullness has now been transferred to us. Let me give it to you in in a few different uh, translations. And the New Living Translation says, So you also are complete through your union with Christ. So Christ's fullness, the fullness of God in Christ, makes us full, makes us complete when we're in union with him or in the NIV. And you have been given fullness in Christ. Another translation, and you have been filled in him. So just as Christ was filled with God, we have been filled in Christ. And it says in the message, when you come to him, that fullness comes together. That fullness, the fullness of God in Christ comes together for you. Boom, 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 boom. His power extends over everything. Jesus shared his fullness with us. So just like we had to reconsider our idea of God, that he's not distant, that he's not disconnected, that he's not angry, that he's uh, not off somewhere, that we have to hunt and find 
and, and try to discover or, or attain uh, connection with him, that he's actually everywhere, always, in all places, that whenever we turn our attention, he's there waiting for us. In fact, he's doing everything he can to get our attention, okay? And so when we turn our attention to the, him, he's there waiting. Right? Even if you don't feel it, you don't sense it, it's true. Believing that is a big part of begin, being able, positioning yourself to be able to uh, feel it or understand it. But listen, we also need to change our understanding of us. Right? This is big. Okay? The incarnation. This is, this is one of the unique messages of Christianity. I don't know if you realize this. All right? Lots of religions talk about how people can become like God. All right? The Mormons, for example, believe that God the Father was once a man who ascended through good behavior to become the Almighty. And he had a son. He had many sons. Uh, but one of his sons was Jesus. And Jesus is like uh, next in line as a man becoming God through works and effort. And if we follow Jesus, you will eventually be a God too. And that's what they teach, that, that men can become God. <clears throat> All right. Many, many, many religions talk about men ascending into the place of power, uh, right? Greater power, whatever. But Christianity turns all upside down. It says that God became a man. He lowered himself. He squeezed his infinite existence into the limitations of a an embryo inside a womb and experienced every part of what it means to be human. Wow. So, listen. Your body is not that much different than Jesus's. You know, Jesus had a heart. He had two lungs. He had teeth. I wonder if he had lost a tooth. No, he probably didn't. (laughs) He had baby teeth. He, He teethed. Right? Right? Jesus went to the bathroom. He went, he went to the bathroom. We don't have that recorded in the scripture, but I guarantee you. Because <laughs> he ate food. Right? Think about it. All your parts. He had the same parts. Your body's not that much different. He was a man. You may be female. But even then, most of your body. Same legs. Brain, mouth, nose. But he was able to be filled with... So listen, what the message of the incarnation is, is that your body is not evil. Okay? And the church has erred. The whole segment of the church has misinterpreted. Uh, the, you know, the result of sin is death. And so our body has been uh, contaminated. But Christ came to reverse that contamination process, to free us from that. Your body in and of itself is not bad. It's not sinful. It is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus walked the earth in a human body, now it's your turn to use your body to be a temple. And like Jesus, he was able to fit all of God in him. And so it, it should, it's intended to make us say, wait a minute, this, this is it? This, this, this is how God works? Yes. 
He created Adam and Eve in his image. We are the likeness of Christ. And so we shouldn't be thinking bad thoughts about our body. Like, I hate my body, or I'm so ugly, or I'm so stupid, or this, or that, or that. No, you are a temple. It radically shifts. It demands us to understand the human body in a new way. <clears throat> how did Jesus fit God in his body? Let's talk about a little bit about how, because how he did it is how we do it. Another uh, verse about, <laughs> um, another verse that's uh, associated with Christmas, because it's um, a prophecy that, uh, was it, uh, who gave this? Um, Mary's uh, sister? No, Mary's uh, Elizabeth. <clears throat> uh, Elizabeth said this over Mary, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord concerning Jesus who is in Mary's womb. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So Jesus was filled. Another place it says he was given the Spirit without measure. Okay, And so the Holy Spirit dwelling within Jesus' body is a primary aspect of how Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus do? He lived filled with the Holy Spirit from, from the moment he was conceived. Now, many of us are not filled with the Holy Spirit until some point in our life when we accept Jesus as Lord, we come into relationship and we receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so this is one difference between Jesus and, and us as, as uh, mere humans is that we encounter the Holy Spirit and then we need to learn how to live full of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is the example of someone, was it, who was it, somebody else? John the Baptist. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it was one of those early guys. I'm not good with the name. John the Baptist. <laughs> uh, John the Baptist said this. Um, that we need to learn. Jesus is our example of living full with the Holy Spirit. How can we fit God in our body? Jesus said to his disciples, wait for the promise of the Father and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right? And then a little bit later, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the same words that described Jesus. They, he, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. His disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus do? He filled his disciples with the Holy Spirit. Are you a disciple of Jesus? All right. Yeah, come on. We're a disciple of Jesus. That means we have access to the very same Holy Spirit and the same filling. Paul explains it this way in, in Romans. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And then parenthetically, he says, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. In other words, this is absolutely essential. It's not an added benefit for some Christians. It's not just for those Pentecostals or Charismatics. It's for every believer is to have the Holy Spirit. Now, some, uh, some uh, of us uh, uh, focus more on the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit than other parts of the church. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is active in you, and God wants you to be filled. And he goes on, he says, and if Christ is in you... So if the Holy Spirit's in you, that means Christ is in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
Listen, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, (laughs) he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right? Paul's trying to communicate this very, very important, radical truth that, listen, if the spirit who caused Jesus' dead body to come back to life dwells in you, he can cause any death that's in your body to be turned into life. Now, he's speaking, he is referring to the future resurrection. Because we're all going to die unless Jesus comes back real quick. (laughs) Right? But there's the promise that we will be raised from the dead, given new bodies that will never die. But that is not the primary message that is being said here and throughout the New Testament. It is present tense. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he can give life to your mortal body. So this doesn't deny the aspect that we do live in a mortal body. But God's Spirit dwells in us to empower us and to change us so that we can live Christ-like. We can live with the fullness of the Holy Spirit uh, working and operating in us. So what did Jesus do? He gave life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. I'm going to ask you a few questions. In what way, and try to think through this in a realistic way, right now do a personal evaluation or go home this afternoon and think about this. In what way do you need life in your body? I need life in my knee joints. (laughs) Because when I go up a ladder, yeah, a few new hips, come on, right? I need life in, in my mind, my brain, right? How many times you, uh, you know, you've known somebody for 25, 30 years and you can't remember their name. <laughs> you start describing them. <laughs> yeah, or their spouse, you know. <laughs> Okay, you young people are going, what are you talking about? You just wait, you just wait. All right? Um, uh, Physically, emotionally, how many times do you go through, when are you sad, depressed, discouraged? I need life, emotionally, relationally. I need life to make my relationships better. I need life. I need Holy Spirit, miraculous life. Spiritual, and those in that area is the things that affect our spirit, like our sin and, and, and behaviors that connect with God. I need life in every part of my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit. Can you imagine living completely filled with God every day like Jesus did? All right? Listen, where would sickness fit in or depression? Where would shame fit? Where would doubt fit? If your body was full with God, if your body was so to get God all the way in you, it's so cram jam packed, right? You ever have a suitcase? We travel. So it's like, we, I was like, I can get one more thing in here. <laughs> you know? but there's a point where you can't get anything else in, right? And that's the idea that we're so filled with the fullness of God, there's no room for shame, there's no room for sin. There's no room for doubt. That's the message of Christmas, guys. Jesus said, this is how it works. This is how you live free from all those things. 
You don't live free from all those things by, by worrying and fussing and fretting about all those things. You get filled with God, and there's no room for all those things. And then you can actually kick them out of other people because you're so filled with God. You come up against a spirit of sickness, you just say, go, have some more God. Come on. Jesus is our example. Holy Spirit is our indwelling help. And the Father is our source. So Paul, I'm going to end with this verse, and then we're going to recite it together. Um, Paul's saying this. It kind of pulls in everything. I know it's a lot of words on that screen. I hope you can read it. Um, I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to to stand and and recite this, personalize it out loud, and then I'll be done. See, I'm doing all right. The clock's gone, so I have to keep looking at my watch. <laughs> um, for this reason, Paul says, notice if, you, if, you, if you've been listening, uh, when I came across this verse, I said, oh my goodness, it's like it has every part of uh, my message in this, really, a lot of different aspects of it. It says, for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So Paul's saying, man, it's through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you that strengthens you. And Paul's praying that, that we would experience that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that Jesus actually lives in me. So when your knees sore, when you're having indigestion, or when you're arguing with your spouse, or when you're discouraged at work, you stop and think, wait, not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? Jesus filled me with his spirit. He he is in me now to the fullness. Fill me up. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Uh, through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, get, a, get an understanding, come to a place where we get this, where it changes us, changes how we think and how we act, that we may comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, right, all these dimensions, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It says it goes beyond all of those things. It goes beyond your ability to understand that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The prayer of Scripture, Paul. But this this is Paul recording God's words. This is the word of God. God wants you filled with the fullness of himself, just like Christ for you. Now to him who's able, not only does God want to do it, you're not able to do it. (laughs) But God's able to do it, right? To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We want something from God. God wants to give us himself, all right, who owns everything. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and amen. Okay, so I've changed the words a little bit. And this, instead of you, it says me. Instead of your, it says my heart. So let's stand up and read this aloud in faith and and receive it as a promise. All right? Uh, If you can't see it, you can turn to it in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, 14. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, you can look at the one behind. That's the one I'm looking at if you're closer to that. All right? <clears throat> so I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to begin this with a prayer, and then we'll do it. So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, and uh, we may not understand these truths, but uh, we believe them because they're in your word. And I pray that each one of us would receive an increase in the revelation of what it means to have an incarnate God, a God within us. Uh, and it would bring about transformation in our lives. So as we read this, Lord, fulfill it in each and every person here in Jesus' name. And because we believe this, let's read this out loud together. Uh, follow me. It says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above all that I ask or think, according to the power that works in me, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever. And amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father. We believe that. I pray that each and every person here receives it in the fullness in Jesus' name. Amen.